0: Hello everyone, this is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and today I am joined by Darby Robinson. Darby, we're gonna be recapping the regular season, even though it's not quite over yet. But first off, how you doing Darby?
1: I'm doing well, I'm doing well. It's been, uh, you know, the Rays are coming off a nice series against Baltimore, not the sharpest baseball, but we're winning games again, so it's just always, feel more confident and more fun when uh, when team Tampa Bay is winning. So
0: well, and we got the Lightning in the Stanley Cup final yep. and the the Bucks got their first win of the season and I said it on last Tom, week's Tampa episode Bay is
1: now now well, one and one, so that's good.
0: Finally after uh, that disappointment in New Orleans, but I said it on last week's episode. We've had this this weird short season and we had the trade deadline where the Rays were rumored to be in on some big names, Joey Gallo, probably the biggest one that there were concrete rumors if there is such a thing, um, about the Rays going to get And they never made that big splash. We did that episode, you, me, and Danny, during the trade deadline. They didn't go out and make that big move. Um, they made a couple small moves, improved some spots, added some depth. Um, but then we rode that adrenaline of the trade deadline into that huge series against the Yankees where there was a bunch of bad blood and both managers were suspended. A, a Yankees pitcher was, I guess, suspended. He hasn't served said suspension yet. And he's probably going to serve it during some meaningless games, either at the end of this regular season or the beginning of next. But after that, I don't know about you, it was kind of hard to get excited for the Rays games because at that point they were pretty much had a playoff spot secured. They clinched this past week. And they had a pretty good hole in the division too, and they still do with a week to go. But with all this other stuff going on, the lightning on a Stanley Cup run, the Bucks getting started, and the Rays were kind of just going to back into the postseason, they had a spot locked up. It was kind of hard to get excited about Rays baseball. Now there's a week to go, and there's going to be playoff baseball soon. Were you going through those those same feelings?
1: Yeah, I, I think in terms of um, the emotional the emotional weight out of the balloon kind of left after that Yankees series. You know, that was the that was a playoff level series where the Yankees uh, struggling uh, couldn't couldn't beat the Rays on the field, so they were trying to kind of do the. <laughs> extra you know bs to to try to, to to get some stuff you know chirping from the dugout talking trash throwing at every raise player hitting joey wendell as many times as possible you know when when you're a struggling team when you're not getting things going your way and when you're kind of lost behind you know as as a manager kind of over your depth you try some stuff like that right like this mm-hmm. is what you see from a lot of like shaky look you know the devil Rays when they were not good This is what they kind of would do, right? Like they would be the team that was like, you know, oh, I'm gonna like start some stuff. Well, it was Gerald Williams and Pedro Martinez that one. Exactly. It's like Gerald Williams. I'm sorry, buddy, but (laughs) you know, like you should ask for the autograph after Pedro strikes (laughs) you out. Like that's a Hall of Famer. Um, But that's the thing, right? The Yankees. They're they're they were scuffling. And they, they really just needed something because they, they couldn't motivate themselves another way. So they just sort of were like, all right, let's just try to start some stuff. And the Rays just didn't take the bait and instead just kept pummeling them on the field. So when that series came about, especially after the, the Yankees finally did get a win, but then they ended it in such a heated you know, motion, that last game, that was sort of like, okay, this is it. This is it until maybe the postseason. And the way the Rays handled it, the post-game comments from Cash, mm-hmm. the the um the whole like what's gonna happen, is there gonna be a bean brawl? Is there gonna be a physical brawl? But then the Rays said, no, we're just gonna continue to just be the by far the class of the AL East and just beat you down on the field first inning and and smash a couple home runs. And that just sort of like energy wise, they they went into New York, they came out the champion, they took a the scalp and then you know, they they played basically all they needed to do at that point. They did what they needed to do against the Yankees. They just needed to play 500 baseball since then. And they've basically played five a little bit better than 500 baseball. But it's been, you can tell, almost like a different energy, right? Yeah. Like it's I sort of say it almost like it's like spring training 3.0.
0: You know, the first of the season was
1: sort of like an extension of spring training because there was a, a very truncated bit when they got started. Now that they have so much wrapped up with a little bit left, just kind of needed to coast a little bit, but also need to try some stuff. This is the opportunity to to shake out some stuff, including because the news just dropped that basically there will be no off days until the World Series. Right. That means trying out some things like bringing back the opener and bullpenning, and maybe extending some bullpen guys that maybe haven't done a two inning stint, or maybe a back to back nights, or give some high leverage innings to guys that maybe don't aren't used to it. To, to You know, you got to try some stuff out because in the postseason, you're going to not get – you don't get to have your best relievers every night, which it normally does with all the off days.
0: It also changes potentially – you know, you see most teams go to a four-man rotation in the postseason in the World Series or in the the championship series. Sometimes even a three-man rotation of sorts, that's going to change, especially with a team like the Rays. They're most likely, unless it's the World Series or a do-or-die game, not going to throw some of their guys on short rest. Uh, you know, a start there, guys. They might come in for an inning or two if needed. We saw Blake Snell come in last year in Game 5 um, of the ALDS. But the postseason is going to feel a lot different. One, because expanded three-game series. Uh, we're going to talk about that in just a second. But, yeah, you know, the Yankees, That honestly, that motivation that they tried to spark against the Rays, it might have worked because after that, they've honestly been on a tear. They were sitting in third place in the division. On the verge of falling down to fourth place, they struggled a lot. And the last week and a half, they've been red hot. They've won nine out of their last ten. I think they lost today against the Red Sox. They had a ten-game winning streak going, I'm pretty sure. And uh, they're securely in second place. They have a four-game lead over Toronto, who sits Mm -hmm. in third. Um, And the race and Yankees have never played each other in the postseason. And I don't know if that's something I want to see this year, because the Yankees are a scary (laughs) team. Especially if they get healthy and they get Stanton and Judge in that lineup, and they can stay in that lineup, but that would be um, some amazing television, some amazing drama. If these teams, the history they've had, not just this year but the last two years, going back to the whole CC Sabathia, Andrew Romine, Andrew Kittredge incident, um, that was also ridiculous. That would be some great television if the Rays and Yankees met up in a five or, or, or a seven-game series.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you'd look back to like 2008 with the Red Sox yeah. for the ALCS. That mm-hmm. was high tension, great baseball, um, immense excitement. Uh, I, I would be surprised if it didn't go, you know, six or seven and have yeah. similar similar levels of, uh, of absolute tension.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, we're not going to see it in the three-game series, and I'm, I'm glad for that. But let's talk about – we're, we're going to give out some regular season awards here in a second. Next weekend or next Monday – I want the episode to be purely postseason based because we're all going to be excited about the postseason. So even though we've got a week to go, Darby and I, a little bit later on in the show, are going to give out some of our regular season awards. Um, but let's talk about the postseason first because it looks like the Rays are going to be playing either the Blue Jays or the Cleveland Indians. Those are the two wild card teams. And the Rays, if they take a number one or number two seed in the postseason, right now they've got the number one seed. The White Sox, I think, have a game in hand, um, but they'll either be playing the Blue Jays or the Indians. Darby, which one of these teams do you think the Rays match up a little better against? And I know it's a three-game series, so maybe it doesn't mean anything at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, when it comes to a three-game series, I, I'd be nervous facing, like, the Royals. I, I'd be nervous facing uh, the the Rangers. Like, the, this – three-game series are tough, you know. You you don't have to be – you can get a team that just gets just a little bit better on – Like, for instance, if, you know – if anybody watched this whole weekend series against the Orioles, it was four games. The Rays won three out of the four. Uh, you could easily take one or two plays, and the Orioles take all four, or yeah. they split two-two. So that's that's baseball. So um, when it comes to this, I, I look at the the first thing I immediately look at with Cle- is aces, right? Mm-hmm. And and in a three-game without any without any uh, days off, that basically means you get one ace. Uh, for for that run, Cleveland has the best starting pitching of the two by by a large margin. I mean, they mm-hmm. have they they have the AL and Cy Young. they traded away an ace. Yeah, they traded away an ace and still have the best pitching. They they have Shane Bieber. He's going to win the AL Cy Young, uh, and it's going to be a runaway, and he's going to deserve that. And so mm-hmm. that's that's a game where you're pretty much looking at like maybe now you have to win two. You have to go two and zero. You can't lose a game. That makes me nervous about Cleveland. However, however. Cleveland's offense is terrible. They have been struggling for a while. It shouldn't be this terrible. However, it's just not been very good. And so when I look at like Baltimore, I do see an offense that can be really scary. I do see an offense that could like get you a spark, right? But I do think overall with Cleveland, I think both are pretty similar, but with, with Shane Bieber, with the fact that that offense should be a little bit better than it is, that you just need maybe a couple of runs to, to succeed. I think I'd still take Toronto, who's mm-hmm. just, you know, they're a little, I think they're a year young. They're a little, they're a year before they become a team that's going to be really dangerous to face and they're, and they're getting there. They're yeah. going to be there. But I think they're just one year too early. the The bullpen isn't, isn't, you know, they don't have a guy that I would say is a, a James Karinchek level elite-level reliever. They don't have a guy that's Shane Bieber-esque. I, I do like Hunjin Rio. I think he just stymied the Rays before. But mm-hmm. I I think just the, on the margins, I think you, if the Rays, you know, you get Martin, Snell, and Glass now. If you can quiet the bats, shorten the game, I think they match up a little bit better against the the Blue Jays than the
0: yeah, I, I agree with you there. The uh, Indians, twenty sixth in all of baseball in WRC plus, twentieth in baseball and on base percentage. They do have those names. they have got the Ramirez and the the Lindor and the Framil Reyes. Uh, Oscar Mercado had a good year last year. He might be injured though. I don't. I don't know. That's the thing. We haven't seen the Indians. Carlos
1: Santana. Yeah, exactly. I it, yeah, I don't know why they're so bad at offense, but they just have not. Um, Anytime the Rays are, like, kind of scuffling on offense, it's good to turn on a Cleveland baseball game and go, like, oh, man, like, breaking the door. And, like, oh, they're going to lose two to two to nothing. And Shane Bieber is going to throw, like, 16 strikeouts, eight innings, and they're going to lose, like, two to one.
0: This might put it in perspective. You look at the Indians who traded Mike Clevenger to the Padres, and you still fear their pitching staff with Bieber and Plesak and some of these other guys they have.
1: Look at Carrasco, the come back later in the year, mm-hmm. yeah
0: you look at the Blue Jays who added Robbie Ray and that was seen as an improvement to their pitching rotation. So that there is a difference there. The Blue Jays do have the bats and they have been hitting um, and we've seen the Blue Jays. So something about like a comfort level of like, all right, I've seen the Rays win against this team. The games are going to be at the Trop, so You're not playing at this triple a ballpark in Buffalo, mm-hmm. three games at the trop, something about that. I'm a little more comfortable with, with the Indians coming to town, they haven't played each, them all year. You see a guy like bieber that scares that scares me a little bit again a three-game series you know anything can happen you look at a team like the dodgers they could be out you know that and i think especially if baseball keeps this and that's that is a podcast for another day you know that's, you're gonna yeah. see some teams that really earn their spot in the postseason by a lot get eliminated by some teams that aren't very good that are, will then go on and get you know swept or beaten five games later on in the postseason so I don't know. Again, the sixteen game discussion or the sixteen team postseason is a discussion for another day. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I, I'd rather the Blue Jays. I think it's marginal, um, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Darby, we're going to do some postseason or some regular season awards, and I I, I don't want it to make it seem like we're not going to give out team MVP or Rookie of the Year because you can you can find those anywhere. And honestly, MVP. Pretty unanimous, I think, uh, for everyone so far this year for the Rays. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and do some regular season awards and, and talk some more about this 2020 season And we're back, and we're going to be talking some of this 2020 regular season. Uh, Darby, how weird, now looking back, now that we're into September, now that we're a week away from this regular season being over, did it feel like that much of a sprint to you now that we've seen so many storylines play out with the Rays and around the league, or did it feel somewhat like a normal season?
1: Yes and no. Yeah, it felt sort of normal. But when you're in it, it actually felt fairly normal in terms of everything. I think the sprint part just comes into three-game losing streaks feeling just way worse, Mm -hmm. right? Like like slumps and breakouts feeling way more pronounced is where I caught myself. Because everything felt pretty normal, and it just felt like, okay, we're just starting late. Like I just hadn't been paying attention for multiple months of the season. Now we're just picking up right where we left off uh it just starting in august basically um but yeah it would be like these things where it's like oh man this guy is crushing it he's like killing it it's like uh, he, he's had 46 plate appearances <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh okay I, I don't know like anybody can get like crazy crazy hot for like a less for 100 plate you know 100, 100 at bats you can get or or get cold yeah christian yelich and cody bellinger have been uh really struggling this year but no. Like, Brandon
0: Lau was an MVP candidate he had one bad week and all of a sudden like he falls like 10th in
1: air yeah. war like, yeah yeah it, it's it, it's, the, it's it's definitely one of those things where I can't wait for I would love to be a fly in the wall of many many different front office GM rooms to sort of see how evaluations are, are factored in for this year because you can't completely throw out the numbers you can't say it's all just like noise but like there's a lot of noise in these stats like you mm. You know, and you want to see, like, people that, like, perform a little bit better. But, you you know, you could see, like, okay, this guy had a terrible year. But, like, oh, he got hurt for, like, two weeks, which is most of the season. And he didn't get a start. And so it's, like, this really truncated thing. So I think it felt normal. But when I think of evaluations, when I think of, like, how I feel, like, my God, Nate Lowe can't hit anything. He's <laughs> completely slumping. And it was, like, oh, his first 30 plate appearances. Now yeah. is that his next 30, he's, like, oh, he's the top hitter in baseball. <laughs> so it's, like, okay, this is just <laughs> – swinging wildly from like it's all over and under exaggerations like constantly this season
0: mm-hmm. and also for the most part the standings look like pretty accurate like what i was yep. expecting them to look like yeah NL at there were some surprises the nationals they're going to finish in dead last and the marlins are going to finish in second uh and there's a lot of playoff teams we weren't expecting with the expanded postseason that wasn't announced until opening day um which again crazy. Um, But other than that, you know, you have the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Braves, winning the divisions in the National League. In the American League, you've got the A's, uh, the White Sox, who haven't locked it up yet, and then most likely the Rays, who who are going to win it over the Yankees. In the beginning of the season, I I might not have picked the White Sox, or I might not have Mm -hmm. picked the A's, but I knew they were definitely going to be in the fight. And, you know, it's it's not like the Tigers went out there and won 40 games and, and won the division. So if you look at the standings, and you ignore the expanded postseason. You're like, well, this kind of went the way we expected it with a couple surprises. But there are always surprises in a regular season, like a 162 game season.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that's the thing. Like, I, I say only the White Sox of all the division leaders right now uh, surprise me. But not not a ton. I thought they were actually really good, really exciting. They were like a, a pick of mine to be like a wild card team. Mm-hmm. Um, but – them being a little bit better than like the twins this year and, and, and Cleveland uh, you know, it's like maybe arriving a little year early similar to Toronto um, but better because, because G is, is an ace. So, <laughs> but seeing those, that, that team like, Oh, it, it's all super young, super talented. Oh, they gelled this year, not mm-hmm. next year, but that's, that's totally makes sense. Oakland's great. They were great last year. They're great this year. Houston took a step back mentally. Maybe there's, all this weird stuff going on with losing their manager and and being the public pariah and losing and, Garrett Cole and losing Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander before mm-hmm. the season like you know it all sort of uh, like you said it's it's about right you know Rays finishing first or second that's exactly the way it should have been that's what we expected Dodgers are crushing it Padres are exciting this is actually mm-hmm. like a pleasant surprise but like we sh- we were all hoping that and that's what the Padres were, by spending all this money, by really going out and trading a bunch and saying, like, we want to be there. They've been trying to be this for a couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, it was shorter. It, nobody's missing the postseason right now that, like, you're like, wow, that, that's super disappointing.
0: Right. Like, the Nationals is the biggest surprise, I think, in missing. But Yeah, anyway, I think, you know, they I think they got that one ring.
1: was – they got their ring. There is always, like, the take. You know, last year they were the same record they are right now uh yeah but they just don't have enough time to like come up you know kind of recap it they they almost got eliminated in the wild card round and trey (laughs) gresham who's been an awesome breakout star of san diego made a really bad error and they won Mm -hmm. and they that you know that's how close like there's a lot of there was a lot of things that was a magical season for the nats right and but, like, them not miss the, not making the playoffs this year is sort of like, yeah. Okay, finishing just, dead last is the You know, there's almost there. so much luck you can push. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And that's yeah. the short sprint. That's the sprint. That's the sprint right there. Is mm-hmm. Definitely. Can't, can't even out to be, like, a 500 team.
0: Definitely. All right. Well, Darby, let's get into some of these awards. Like I said, not doing team MVP, not doing uh, rookie of the year mm-hmm. because you can find your whatever beat writer you want to read. And they'll probably be giving out those awards. And you can probably guess who it's going to be. It's going to be Brandon Lau. Um, He'll win team. I don't even know who all our like, actual rookies are. I don't even know who I'd give it to because I, I don't know if any of them have played enough. Um, maybe Randy Rosarena. I don't know. Is he even a rookie anymore? I think so. He only got he picked a handful. Yeah, Anyways, he should be a, We're, he should we're be not giving those awards. I don't awards. know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, first one, and I didn't give these fancy names either, but player that you weren't expecting to contribute that has contributed on the big league team. And Darby, I'll let you go first.
1: So this one, this one is, you, you just mentioned Randy Rosarania. My pick is Randy Rosarania and it's not because he's, it's shocking that he is good because I, I was a big fan of his. He was a guy that kind of targeting before the Rays ended up going with Tommy Pham, there was sort of a lot of chatter and, JT Morgan, myself, we, we kind of all were debating on, like, you know, you have Tyler O'Neill, you have Randall Gritchick, you have uh, Teoscar Hernandez, who is my pick, who's doing really well, so I'm glad yeah. that's going on. Uh, Harrison Bader. Like, there was this cavalcade of Cardinals outfielders. And Randy Rosarania was like, okay, this is the guy that, you know, maybe a couple years away, but this is a guy to target. Um, they ended up getting fan, which is awesome. So that was a little bit closer. Uh, a little bit different kind of Rays move. Um, but then going out and trading for Randy, you were like, this is a big move, right? You know, Matthew Liberatore is a huge prospect, like big, big time. And the Rays don't trade pitching prospects ever. That's a really rare thing. So to do that, that's showing a very smart club identifying a guy that they love. So I figured that he was I liked him. The fact that the Rays loved him made me like him a little bit more. But I thought it was sort of like a 2021 and on kind mm-hmm. of move. Mm-hmm. Uh I thought, like, the, the outfield was super crowded. You know, you have Hunter Renfro and Manuel Margot and Kiermaier and then a number of other guys like Austin Meadows and Yoshi Tsutsugo who who bounced between, like, DH and outfield and third base with Yoshi. It just was a crowded outfield. You're like, okay, there's no real room yet. But, you know, 2021, boom, that's going to hit the ground running. You know, a couple injuries, a couple trades, a couple, you know, little shakeout. Suddenly he's playing and he is – as exciting as you could imagine, mm-hmm. and we all heard in the alt site the, the, yeah. the black box that nobody can <laughs> see into uh, that he was just smashing laser and doubles left and right, just like nothing but just extra base hit, uh, absolute machine. And vi- you know he's had fifty plate appearances so far uh, in the major leagues, and or in, with the Rays, mm-hmm. he, he played a bit with the the Cards last year, and he just lasers the ball. Right now, he is fourth on the team in barrel percentage, just behind Mike Zunino. So there's, funny. <laughs> uh, it's not the only stat that matters, but barreling is good. It's, it's, the, it's the kind of the perfect contact there. Um, has the second highest max exit velocity hit, uh, just behind Nate Lowe. Um, mm. And, and he's, he's just absolutely smacking the ball. What I've been very impressed by, more than anything else, though, is, is his opposite field power. Mm. That's incredible. Like he had a home run just the other night that actually won the Rays the game against the Orioles uh, on a fairly high outside pitch that he just smacked and lasered, and he knew it. He like didn't right. move. He it looked just, like a double. I that. Like it looked. like, yeah, it, it, looked like it was gonna long.
0: It just kept going up.
1: Baltimore's got that nice tall kind of little uh, you know orange monster out there, <laughs> and uh, not just kept just kept sailing. And it's and it's because everything he hits is hard very hard so if you get it on a line sort of like uh Yandi last year with all of his home runs that were just like blasted mm-hmm. lasers you hit it hard enough it doesn't have time to come down it looked it like the Yandy
0: diaz wild card game home runs
1: yes yeah like exactly. like, so there's
0: a line drive and it we, jim turvey when he was on the show i think it was like the first or second episode and i've mentioned it like time and time again randy rosaranya is a guy that go around baseball and he is not only on a lot of opening day rosters, he started in one of the outfield spots in oh, yeah. a lot of other major league teams. And you look at how crowded the Rays were in the outfield. I know he dealt with, it was either an injury or something COVID-related, I'm not entirely sure. Didn't make the opening day roster. And it was at a point where if there weren't some injuries, he might not have played at all this year. So that shows, one, how good the Rays are uh, depth-wise in, in tube, Randy, when, when he got up and he got the plate appearances, he's taking advantage of them. He's been incredible, and, and I was super excited. And like you said, you know, if the Rays traded away Libertor, and again, if you had any doubt that Randy Rosarania wasn't the, the centerpiece of that trade, they've already moved on from Jose Martinez. So yeah. Randy Rosarania is here to stay, and, and what a player he is.
1: I the, went with the, someone – oh, go ahead. The the other – one other thing with Randy, and it's, it's those other smaller things, right, that you'd, like, look at. And it's – because it's so early that numbers are too – too noisy to really like say like, oh, is the VRC plus is crushing it. It's like, well, he's at 50 plate appearances. But the thing is where are the Rays batting Randy Rosarinha? They're batting him like third. Yeah. They're batting him as the top. They think Kevin Cash thinks Randy Rosarinha is his best right-handed hitter. Mm-hmm. They're batting him like they, he is their best right-handed hitter. That is the sign that like this kid is for real. Mm-hmm. because That's when when the team says, when the front office says we want him and then the coach and the coaching staff are saying this guy is batting at the top of the lineup. You want to get him the most at-bats you can. This is the guy you want as a righty. That's their top best right-handed power slugger. There you go.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I went with someone I know your favorite beat writer is not talking about. That's no disrespect to any of the great beat writers that cover the Rays, but I went with Aaron Loop. Uh, he's a guy that with the new three batter minimum rule that was implemented starting this year, a guy that you he, he might have looked at his career and said, "This might be it." I don't know if I'm going to get a role like I had with the Blue Jays, where he pitched for he pitched really well for a good amount of time. He was there in 2012, all the way through 2018. So Aaron Loop is a guy that probably had to take a look in the mirror and say, "What do I do from here?" The Rays invited him to spring training. Still, at the beginning of the year, even before we knew what this year was going to look like, I was like, he's probably just not going to get any spot on this roster. Even if he does, it'll be for a cup of coffee, and then he'll either go on somewhere else. If he wants to go play in Durham, he can. But I just don't see him fitting, especially with the amount of great relievers the Rays have. Well, Aaron Loop did make the roster on opening day. I think stayed on the active roster the entire season. And he's pitched 24 innings. At a 2.63 ERA, a 3.68 XFIP. He's pitched really well, had one of the better seasons of his career. Uh, and that, that's really impressive for a guy that, with the new rule changes, was probably looking at his career and didn't know what the next step was going to be. So he hasn't been stellar. He hasn't been the best pitcher in the race bullpen, but he's been really good and really effective. And again, I think that's also credit to Kevin Cash and Kyle Snyder putting these pitchers in positions to succeed. They're not going to leave him out there to dry. They know what Aaron Loop's capable of, and and he's performed for 24, 24 solid innings, and he's probably going to make the postseason roster as well and contribute in some of the Rays' biggest games of the season.
1: Yeah, Loop was an interesting guy that the Rays got in the offseason, where it's just a really rock solid veteran. Yeah. Lefty. Like for his career, I mean, he's never been a negative. Uh, asset like his worst mm-hmm. like season was still like league average, mm-hmm. right? And that's 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 great. Like I think a lot of times you think league average and it's like kind of eh. there is not a lot of human beings that can be league average. <laughs> like that is very tough because the replacement level pr- player is probably terrible. Yeah, like yeah. you know we have seen some really bad. Just talk to the Phillies in terms of <laughs> what replacement level white like relievers look like. Um, but he's been a very good. Uh, to sometimes great reliever yeah. in the past, but mostly really just solid, just solid guy. But yeah, like you said, more of that loogie type, right? You mm-hmm. want him for like two really good lefties in a row. And then you kind of want to pull him against those tough righties. Three batter minimum, doesn't allow him to do that. He didn't really have a, a he, he had a nice solid role because he didn't have any options. Uh, he's a solid veteran. So you can, when you're building an open day roster, you don't necessarily build your very best 25 people or this year, 28 um, you want to have your best, but also with options, right? So somebody right. maybe is an up and down guy that they can maybe start the season in Durham and then kind of pop up. Yeah, sort of saw that when mm-hmm. they traded for Pete Fairbanks last year. He didn't immediately come right up because he just didn't have a space. And Oliver Drake had space and yeah. James Rowe had space and they didn't have options. Um, once Colin Pochet went down, once Alvarado kind of got injured, his his like position in the roster was pretty much rock solid from there on out and he's pitched great you know he's he's done exactly what he's needed to do not a huge strikeout guy uh his ground ball rate this year is actually a little low for right. his career yeah, there's even that. like room for positive progression there um but you know he he doesn't walk a lot of guys uh doesn't give up a lot of hard contact not a huge strikeout guy but he, he can get his fair share of strikeouts and uh he's a he's you know absolute death on lefties so um very useful. Not the flashiest guy in that pen, a pen of just an, a stable, I should say, of absolute uh, beast. He is not one of the guys that throws 98 that Kevin Cash was talking about. <laughs> uh, but he throws a solid 93 yeah. and uh, with, some, with some bendy stuff.
0: Doesn't give away the free pass. He's actually faced more righties this year than lefties. 55 total batters faced, right-handed batters, 241 on base percentage against, uh, against righties. It's actually better than what he's done against left-handed hitters so far this season. And He the also that, yeah. does not
1: have a save yet, but wow. he—I think he will. I think he will. They—the wow. Rays need one more non—one more person to get a save. They have twelve people that have gotten saved so far for them in Kevin Cash's quest to make sure that the save is a dead statistic.
0: Is that a uh, record?
1: Is, it is it? tied. It okay. tied the record, but for me, that actually shatters the record because this is a sixty-game season. Right. Right. Exactly. So, but but they just need one more to have the record solo from the Texas Rangers. Yeah, and and Aaron Loop does not have one yet. So well, I think like, he's, you got to look.
0: Aaron Loop's probably looking. He goes, Ryan Thompson just got one.
1: Why why can't I
0: get a shot? So maybe this week, Kevin Cash doesn't alone in the ninth inning, or you know, if, if the Rays have a save situation. Maybe they will. So that's what I'll be rooting for, for Aaron Louf this week, to pick up his first save of the season for the Rays to break that record. The next one, again, not a super creative name, but a player that, uh, you know, you're going to root for this guy. He might be slumping. He might make some mistakes. But either you love watching him play, or for whatever reason, you're just going to root for him, no matter how bad he is. I'll go first for this one, um, because I I like your answer a lot more than mine. I think it's a lot more fitting. But but I went with (laughs) Ryan Thompson who has not been great. Uh, I don't think many people expected him to be great. But again, another guy who raised fans and probably Ryan Thompson did not expect to be playing big league baseball either at all this year, especially not meaningful games in September, potentially even October. I don't know how the roster is going to look going into the playoffs, but a guy that he, he's getting a chance to play big league baseball when he wasn't expected to. He's 28 years old and Overall, he hasn't really imploded that many times. He's got a 4.81 ERA. The XFIP's actually at 396. And like you said, not a lot of uh, league average human beings, not a lot of league average relievers out there either. And although, again, Thompson is one of those guys that you you usually want coming in the ninth inning to get a save like he did uh, on Saturday night's game. But he's a guy that he can pick up, you know, multiple innings out of the bullpen on a Sunday afternoon blowout when you just need to reserve some of your top arms, and that's commendable. And a guy, again, that I'm just really happy for that he got a shit chance in the big leagues. He pitched on opening day. His dad literally flew to St. Pete. He couldn't <laughs> be at the game. Couldn't hang out with Ryan Thompson, his kid, but he just wanted to be in the same city as his son who was making his big league debut. And they, they met up in the parking lot after the game to just you know just talk about his his outing. He pitched two innings, I think, on opening day out of the bullpen, and pitched well that night. So, again, a guy that I'm just happy. I'm happy that he's he's getting his chance in the big leagues. I don't know what his future's like with the Rays. Or what his future's like in Major League Baseball, but I, I'm rooting for the guy wherever he
1: ends up. He he's he's got a little bit like if if on his like if he had a vision board, that vision board would be Chad Bradford right yeah so so that's what he's trying to go for funky funky right arm uh lots of ground balls he's getting ground balls at almost a 60 percent clip mm-hmm. right now that's great um little little wild not the best command so he walks a bit too many people um but a little bit faster uh fastball than than uh bradford a little bit more k's uh but yeah the you know this is, an, this is not the guy that – when you think of the Rays' amazing bullpens, right, you don't think this guy is going to stick around. But you also are really thankful for a guy like Ryan Thompson. I know he gets a lot of crap. Nobody likes kind of the last guy in the bullpen. But You're not here's the thing. To. Here's the thing. He's the last guy in the bullpen after the Rays lost five other guys ahead of them. Nobody should be the best – yeah, that should not be an an ace level guy, and he again has been league average. And like we said, that's that's hard to do. You know, he's he's had a couple of bad games. He's had a couple of a uh, little un- unfortunate with the the home run to fly ball ratio. I think there's something here. I don't know if he ever gets it here in mm-hmm. in, in Tampa Bay, um, but he's he's done the job that he's at, been asked most right. of the time. Right? Like I, he he is it's hard to root against the kid. Right? right. Even in those bad
0: games, I'm like, ah, well damn. Yeah. know, yeah, You got a chance to pitch in the big leagues today. Go get him next time. You know, that's the, that's the type of guy I'm like, you know, he's here. And that's probably pretty, pretty much all he can ask for at this point.
1: Yeah. And I, I know I'm, I'm more forgiving on, on uh, pitching than, than most. <laughs> I, I'm one of the resident, uh, big Trevor Richards defenders because yes. again, because again, like being a league average guy is, Really hard to find, and when that's your seventh starter after people get injured, or if this is your last reliever after you lose Chaz Rowe, Oliver Drake, uh, Jose Alvarado, um, then yeah, that's 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 not bad. That's not that's not nothing. And I've been trying
0: to be to defend Trevor Richards. I don't know if I can anymore. It's been <laughs> it's been rough. Again, I hope I, I want the guy to do well, but I know you've been a staunch uh, defender. And I, you, I have been, but this year it's been tough each time he goes out there, but Darby, who'd you pick for this one?
1: So the, the player that I, if we did want to name this, this could be the Erasmo Ramirez award. (laughs) Um, But the the player that you'll root for, even when they aren't playing well, it's Willie Adamas, Mm, right? Like this, this guy, the kid is the heart and soul of, the Tampa Bay Rays. He is the guy, the first out of the dugout. He's got a special handshake or celebration with every person on this roster. He is kind of the face of the franchise, whether he's the star or not. He mm-hmm. is to me that lead guy in the clubhouse. And, and that's not an easy job to do. You know, you had, you had players that wanted to do it for a long time. You had some players that didn't want to do it for a long time. Uh, being the best player. is isn't necessarily that role. Here's the thing with Willie. He started the season out. He has tons of talent. We've seen those flashes of talent. This guy has Carlos Correa-esque ability, and he's had a Carlos Correa season. But, you know, started out the season. He had a week where he just seemingly had the yips. Like, every yeah. every easy ball was just, like, going through his glove, or he's throwing it away. It was just, like, a bunch of weird errors, right? And some people are getting, you know, getting on his case. But then he's clean that up and he's made some amazing like just dazzling plays right and that's the Willie adamas that we know and love and then you know he had a stretch at home where he just like didn't hit anything he like struck mm-hmm. out like almost 30 times and just it was just a weird just weird stuff right but then he you know even all through that he's still been one of the most consistent raise hitters he's been one of the best raised batters he's been one of the best raised defenders and the big thing that that makes me love him isn't that he's like a star level guy it's just that this is a great kid who's got that great energy and when he is right when he is feeling right I think the team does better like it just Mm -hmm. it's like it is one of those players that like when he is struggling it's really tough for the team but when he is feeling good at least like energy wise and he's bringing that good energy you're seeing some other guys just like seem to pick it up a little bit so sometimes you need those good clubhouse guys but he's not just a good clubhouse guy he's just a a heck of a a young shortstop one of the best he's one of the best hitting shortstops in baseball he's 11th in all of uh major league baseball of qualified batters in wrc plus he's second on the team uh behind um behind brandon Lau. Mm -hmm. uh he he's he's a he's a great hitter um he he is you know carlos correa 2.0 and uh and yeah just uh he's like that that heartbeat you know he's that heartbeat of the team so i errors the the slump weird slump at home he always (laughs) seems to have a weird split every last year he couldn't hit lefties but he was crushing right hand right for some reason this year, like at home, he can't hit, but on the road, he is uh, prime bonds. It's two home runs this thing. series. I think. in 10 Yeah. March. Yeah. It's just the weirdest. it's, it doesn't make any sense. It yeah. doesn't make it. One of those was technically at home though. Right. It was, right. it was tech, it was in camp, <laughs> but it was, it was not in the trap. So, uh. so that, uh, that almost makes me want to change my answer for something later, but I, I will talk about it. Okay. About it when we get there.
0: Uh, all right. So, yeah, I, I mean, you look at Willie Adonis and the Rays after the Joe Madden, uh, Andrew Friedman, you know, the glory days uh, of the Rays, they went kind of went through this awkward phase where they still had Evan Longoria until they didn't. But then they had kind of these other faces of the franchise in Kevin Kiermaier and Chris Archer. Obviously, Kevin Kiermaier is still on the team. But even though Kiermaier and Archer for, you know, a lot of the 2010s were faces of this franchise... Very divisive amongst the Rays' fan base. You know, do you like them or how good are they? Kevin Kiermaier, can he hit? Chris Archer, is he ever going to be as good as he was in, what was it, 2015 or whatever year he had such a a stellar season? And kind of divisive. And and now Archer's gone. Uh, Kiermaier, we don't know how much longer he's going to be with the Rays. But you got a guy like Willie Adonis, who is becoming one of those next faces in the franchise that from all the evidence that I've seen on social media and just talking to people is universally loved by the fan base. And that's, mm-hmm. that's always fun to see. Like you never want your face, of, you know, the face of your franchise to be like a divisive person like uh, the Bucks dealt with for the last five years. Um, <laughs> but Willie Adonis has not been that. And that, that's just really awesome to see. And you look at some of the numbers he's put up compared to other shortstops and it's just, extremely promising. And I couldn't be more excited because it's it's crazy to think that like he came to the Rays organization at age 18 back in 2014 as the centerpiece of that David Price trade, which seems like eons ago. And then he was coming up through the system. We finally got to see him in 2018. And uh, I think Rays fans have fallen in love with him ever since. And that's just really great to see um, for Willie Adonis. So the next one, um, a player that has piqued your interest. So a player, again, this kind of morphs into the same one uh we gave out earlier a player maybe you weren't expecting to do well or maybe a player that you hasn't done as well as you expected or a player you're just not quite sure where what their role is on the team moving forward my pick for that award uh was mike brasso and who's done extremely well this season a guy again that you're looking at the roster and the makeup of it going into the regular season you thought he was probably right beneath Daniel Robertson on the packing order. And he might even have someone like Kevin Padlow that was ahead of him. Instead, Brasso makes the opening day roster. Daniel Robertson, I don't even know if he appeared in a game this season for the Rays. He was on the roster, I think, uh, you know, when uh, Diego Castillo went on the paternity leave, leave. but Brasso, you know, the Rays, something happened to where they valued him over Daniel Robertson, who's now with the Giants in San Francisco. So Mike Brasso has stepped up and he's become, in some ways, you know, due to some injuries, and, but really the way he's performed, almost an everyday player for the Rays. It, it originally, he was just going to be a platoon to uh, come in against left-handed pitchers. But he can play first base. He can play second. He can play third. He's played some in the outfield this year. Has really showed his versatility and has really put up good numbers. He has got a three, his slash line 312, 386, 571, a 163 WRC+. Again, only 88 plate appearances. Um, five home runs on the year, incredible numbers. And he had 101 miles an hour fastball thrown up uh, at his head by Heraldus Chapman. So he's been through a lot this season. I'm still kind of confused into where he fits into this Rays team moving forward because you've got Brandon Lau, You've got Willie Adonis. He's not, I mean, he's not a shortstop, but you've got Yanni Diaz who can play first and third. You've got some of these other, you know, Wanda Franco, who uh, there were rumors today that he might have been on the big league roster as early as this week. That was a fun. Three
1: minutes or so. <laughs>
0: right, Vidal Brujan, uh, Taylor mm-hmm. Walls, Xavier Williams, uh, you know, uh, Greg Jones. Like all these infielders that are coming up, that are highly touted prospects. Which Brasso wasn't. He was an undrafted free agent. That are coming up in the Rays are going to have to find spots for some of these guys. Where does Brasso fit in? Can he keep performing at the level to where the Rays have to find a spot for him in the lineup? And I think that's what he's been doing. Um, maybe they look to trade in this offseason. I don't know what his value is. I don't know if there's enough there I mean, he's he's hit, you know, in AAA he's hit in the big leagues uh, pretty consistently now I know again only 88 plate appearances, but he's not a terrible hitter so I'm just interested to see like where Brasso fits in moving forward with how well he's played because he was a contingency plan for me going into this season if you know, Adonis got hurt and you had to put Daniel Robertson as your everyday shortstop. Then you needed an extra infielder. You bring Brasso up. Maybe he hits eight against John Means. You know, like that was what I saw Mike Brasso as. And that's not what he's become, which has been really great to see. One, can it continue? Two, where does he fit in moving forward? But he has piqued my interest 100% this season.
1: I, I want to take this moment to... Profoundly apologize <laughs> to Mike Brasso because I did, was not a believer uh, last year. I, I mean. was I did not think he was going to make it out of spring. Yeah, uh, I did not think it was a smart choice that he made it out of spring training. I thought Daniel Robertson was clearly the better athlete, the better player, the better defender, the better hitter. Uh, I was kind of stunned that he, that Brasso made the roster. I thought like, this is a weird move. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll take a closer look, but even the closer looks, I was like, eh, I don't know, don't, I don't know if this guy's it. And then last year he hit, he hit really well. He actually performed and he had a couple of, he, he seemed to lack the barrels, right? Like every time he would hit it, it would just be not in the right spot. And so it'd be like warning track at best. So he he did well in his role, but I was still like, well, I think Daniel Robertson really has this role, but he was hurt last year. He was kind of coming back. So I was like, okay, Brasso is just holding this spot, but it's a, it's a low leverage spot. It's, you know, Joey mm-hmm. Wendell's ahead of him. And then once Daniel Robertson's ready, it's going to take him. This year, he's like back on the roster again. Like, it's like <laughs> this team loves Mike Br- Mike Brasso made the postseason roster. I was like, <sighs> well, this isn't definitely going to happen. He made the postseason <laughs> roster. And I'm like, I... This is one of those few times where I was like, I could not understand the Ray's thought process. And this is also why the Ray's front office is great and why the team is the team and I'm where I am here because mm-hmm. they they have access to numbers in the minors that we don't, especially like exit velocity and things like that, that mm-hmm. maybe he's just been, not only has he been hitting well with the results, but like the process has been great. Like he's been smoking ball every which way. Um, he has played incredibly well in a very tough role, right? Like the short side of a platoon uh, basically coming in against lefties is not an easy role. I mean, we, the Rays got Jose Martinez. It's more of a throw in, but like a really solid hitter, you know, the type of guy that you could be as a DH and uh, who, who I feel like Mike Petriello of MLB.com and StatCast was trying to get on the Rays for like three years. Uh, And Martinez is fine, but like it really, Brasso's emergence as a, not just a, a solid utility guy, but like kind of a lefty masher this year yeah. and last year, kind of made Jose Martinez completely superfluous. And then, yeah, he's, he's just, he just keeps hitting. Like he just keeps hitting. He's got a good swing. Uh, I, I still don't know, Like like you, I don't know. I still can't see the fit, but I'm not doubting him anymore. I right. still need to see more. It's still a short season and he still is more of a strikes liberal, out a lot, strikes out a lot. Uh, but you know what? He he's, that. that's a tough role, right? You know, when you're the 24th 25th guy on the roster, when you are not called to play every day, maybe only every fifth day or fourth day and a pinch hit here and there, that's not easy to mm-hmm. perform well. That's yeah. incredibly hard. And so he has taken a very thankless role and his, become a, a nice spark plug off of that bench so there are maybe better prospects but like I wouldn't want them in that role right you don't want Vidal right. Bergeron only playing once every you know maybe three times a week maybe twice a week you need consistent playing time but Mike Brasso he's taken on a tough role and he's done really well with it and I I, I can't keep doubting him I'm sorry he keeps <laughs> he keeps doing it I mean, the two home I mean, runs against the Yankees that that like right it's over it's he's hit at like,
0: every level like, every level yeah. through the minors. It was an undrafted free agent, put up uh, in 142 plate appearances, had a 158 WRC plus in rookie ball. Um, played at A ball on high A in 2017. His worst season was in the Southern League for the Biscuits. His slash line was 262, 327, 449, 117 WRC plus. Like that's still solid. That's still really good. And then he goes to Durham, and he absolutely kills it for the Durham Bulls in 2019, 304, 394, 567. Um, hit 16 home runs. Um, even in that year with Montgomery, he hit 13 home runs, and then he's he's done it in the big leagues too. So, uh, the curious case of Mike Brasso. We've doubted him, but maybe we shouldn't have because he's just hit everywhere he's been, and a guy that I'd love to see with the Rays. I, I don't know. Still, even after he's hit so well, like where he he fits on the roster moving forward. So.
1: It, it, a might be a, it might be a situation where he, like like Jay Cronenworth in San Diego, gets to go somewhere else and just, like, finds a more consistent role and is really good. And it's not so much like, you know, the Rays being like, ah, we missed out on a guy. But, like, it's just so – you can only right. hold. Right. Where's the, the – It's a good base. problem how to many, have. How many second basemen can we hold? Uh, yeah. It's, it's a good problem to have. The the Rays, it's not, it's
0: not like we're, we're dealing with, like, Elliot Johnson and, you know – Will Rhymes, Will Rhymes, right? If we were picking between those second basemen, we'd be in a lot worse place right now. And the fact that we've got Mike Brosso, who's hit so well, and we're like, nah, maybe we can move on from him. You know, <laughs> like right. at some point, still he's like, maybe he's a DFA right. candidate. Who knows? Like, that's crazy that the Rays are are that deep and have, still have so much talent coming through. But anyways, Darby, who'd you go with?
1: So in terms of peaked interest, this is this is somebody that I think has a pretty solid role and I kind of knew coming in would have this role. But I also thought again, when it comes to who had that option, who could maybe maybe not make the first opening day roster, not because they aren't good enough, but because they have an option, the other guys don't. And so he might stay in Durham or the Alt site this year to start off the season, is one Mr. Peter Fairbanks. Mm-hmm he likes to go by pete so pete fairbanks right now he was center of this big somewhat controversial tr- trade from some Rays fans mm-hmm. for nick nick solok for for pete fairbanks right and he didn't really get to perform that much last year he was mostly in in durham he then came up a little bit just like kind of a cup of coffee here and there didn't pitch great but he flashed some really good electric stuff but also some very wild stuff mm-hmm. this year coming in they really had to rely on him because they did lose some pretty big arms really early and man oh man has Fairbanks stepped up to every challenge so when you look at Pete Fairbanks one of my favorite uh cats pages right now in baseball savant is like Pete Fairbanks because what I look at there is I see a lot of what I saw on Miami Marlins Nick Anderson mm. It's like this guy <laughs> this guy is good. Like everything, the biggest blues are going to be an exit velocity and hit hard hit percentage. Uh But when you throw a hundred and 101 consistently, you can just bunt and that's going to go at like 90 mile an hour exit (laughs) velocity. So yeah, like basically when you give up a hit, it's a screamer, but they just don't give up a lot of hits because like Nick Anderson, you had K percentage in the 85th or above percentile. You had whiff percentage in the 90th percentile or above Mm -hmm. you you had guys that just weren't hitting when they did the contact was hard but you know what you're just not going to make enough hard contact to really make that matter so i'm seeing a lot of red on his ledger i'm seeing a lot of really really great stuff in the metrics and in the eye test it's all passing like this guy Mm -hmm. has one of the most electric arms in this pen like by far you have nick anderson diego castillo Pete Fairbanks and Jose Alvarado, like those four have the stuff of absolutely high level elite, like top 5% relievers. Now with Alvarado and Fairbanks in particular, I feel like Pete Fairbanks for me is a right-handed Jose Alvarado and I love (laughs) Alvarado. So now I also love Fairbanks because the stuff is amazing. It is next level elite, but Command is going to be the issue, right? Mm-hmm. How much, how bad a command can you do to make up for all the swing and miss stuff? Yeah. All the the great fastball, all the absolutely sick breaking balls. And that's always the balance, right? You know, right. a year where you have that command doing really poorly, you're walking people, you're missing locations, it's gonna be an ugly year. When you command it a little bit better, it's gonna be A great year. And Fairbanks this year has done the job. And he has gotten the fireman role, right? That he's gotten the the he also does not have a save, so he also could to definitely get one. Trying to get Pete Fairbanks a save. But like he has not gotten the save because saves come in the sixth and the seventh and the eighth inning a lot. Mm -hmm. And so they have said, you know, Nick Anderson only has a few saves because of that too. Is hey, we need Pete Fairbanks right now, because this is the game. This is the game. Yeah. This is the most important. This might be the highest leverage inning. So they're going there. He's getting the open tomorrow against the Mets, which we all know is one of the top three highest leverage innings. You can guarantee that being one of the highest leverage innings against this, a very
0: good hitting Mets team.
1: A very good hitting Mets team. So it's going to be another big challenge for him. Uh, you know, he still walks a lot. Still strikes out a lot of people. The the FIP is good. Two seven one. The ERA is good. Two seven four. It's it's just he's got unbelievable stuff. The fastball is upper level, it's well above average. His slider or curve, he it's very hard to classify because it's basically a 12-6 slider. It yeah. looks sort of <laughs> like a curveball but it's got the slider like velocity, right. you know. Uh, and then Insane. also, if you've, if you've been paying attention to, to DRaysBay.com, you might have uh, read an awesome article from Ian Malinowski mm-hmm. about how Fairbanks might be kind of playing around with the idea of throwing a sinker or a, mm. a very hard change or some weird combination. If it's, if it's like an Aaron Bummer sinker, that's three elite pitches, and right. that's, that's impossible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, here's how I think it went down with Fairbanks. Is like you said, very uh, controversial trade in, in some circles of the Rays fan base. Last June, June 29th, pitched against the Rays uh, at the Trot for the Texas Rangers. Gave up two home runs, but struck out three in an inning of work. He's a six six two twenty five 225 uh, right-handed pitcher. I guarantee you, Kyle Snyder turned to Kevin Cash and said, I want him.
1: And then, you know,
0: the, uh, the, the powers that be speak and then, you know, whoever it was calls the Texas Rangers and they say, we want Pete Fairbanks. And the Rangers are saying, you want Pete, this Pete Fairbanks? Uh, <laughs> sure. Um, uh, give us Nick Solak. And was like, yes, deal, done. And the Rangers are like, what? But anyways, yeah. the, I, just, I just think Snyder probably sees a guy like Fairbanks. Uh, and we've seen Snyder work with these tall, lanky pitchers with amazing fastballs, amazing sliders. And uh, you know do really great things with them. So Pete Fairbanks is a guy I have been uh, really excited about all season. And oh man, the, the fact, if if he can cut the walks down, if the command, you know, if he can really work on that over the offseason, another just incredible piece uh, in the Rays bullpen. And really glad that that they went out and got him last year because only a couple weeks later, you know, after that that appearance at the Trop, he was uh, playing for the Rays. So. Anyways, last award before we wrap things up. It, it, it's been a weird regular season, like you said. Some guys get hot and then they go cold for a week, and all of a sudden, their their numbers for the season are just you know washed because they had one bad week. Um, now that we're going into October and sixteen teams are gonna make the postseason, it's a little bit longer. You could play up to three more games with a three game series. Um, in the first round, uh, the playoffs are going to feel a little bit different, especially with the bubble that's not really a bubble. Um, But Darby, if you had to pick one player that either you really want to see a big October from or or you're just really hoping for, or one that you're expecting to, who maybe hasn't played super great, or you just want to see something out of them in the postseason, who would that be?
1: So this one I I had two – I had two – kind of guy who I thought could have a huge, huge October, right? Uh, But it really depends on which bubble the Rays end up in. Because San Diego, (laughs) San Diego is a really tough state. And Petco Park is really tough on lefty power. Uh Really, really tough. It's not easy for lefties to get hit home runs there. Right-handed, it's a little bit easier. But lefties, very, very tough. Uh, So if they're in San Diego, I think – Brandon Lau might mm-hmm. get a little bit of a ding mm-hmm. if they're in LA. If they're in Dodger Stadium, I think that I think he can do some pretty good <laughs> damage right there. That's a nice shorter porch in le- in uh, right field. Uh, I think that's there. And Brandon Lau has been absolutely consistently just barreling the ball this entire season. He has been the most consistent hitter on the Rays. Mm-hmm. Slight—that's when even the slightest slumps where he's still hitting hard contact. He's still getting some, some good barrels, but they're just finding gloves. He hasn't had like a slump where he you don't like the swings. It's like, eh, it's not the best. He's kind of scuffling a little bit, but he's still putting in like a good swing or two every single game, even if it's not paying off in results. But so I, I decided to, to go away from Brandon Lau, but I just did need to give him some love because my God, he is so good this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But because it doesn't matter if it's San Diego or L.A. both play really well to righties. And the one guy on the Rays that just loves playing anywhere else but the Trop this season is Willie Adams. Mm. At home, he has a 62 WRC+, plus, mm-hmm. which means he is 38% below league average. He on the road he is hitting 172 weighted run creation plus <laughs> which means he is 72 percent better than average that is incredible so I don't know what it is this year it there was talk about the the, the LED lights in the trop and kind of he tried on some some glasses for a, for a game or two and something about the trop this year is just not it's not grooving it's not grooving. But on the road, he's feeling comfortable. He's, rushing, he's walking at a higher rate, 8.5% at home, 12% on the road. His slugging percentage, 333 on at home, 586 on the road. OPS, 577 at home, 1,000 on the road. Uh, Willie Adamas is a road warrior. And guess what? <laughs> the postseason is all road, all road all the time. So Willie Adamas, road warrior to, to bubble champ. He, here he comes.
0: Should the Rays call up Wander Franco for the wild card round just because it's going to be a Tropicana field? <laughs> that's really, a, that's um, a like 4D chess
1: move, right there. Yeah.
0: Well, it's like it's not like you know. I mean, we have never seen Wander Franco in the big leagues, but it's like, oh yeah, we're going to bench our starting shortstop and we're going to call up, uh, yeah, Wander Franco to play in the postseason, but not, not really not expecting the Rays to do that, <laughs> even though he might be on the player pool or roster or whatever that they can pick from. Um, if necessary, uh, after it was <laughs> the news broke today that he was going to be called up. Um, well, whatever. With we, six
1: days, with six games left in the season, too, it would just been like. Oh, I mean, i will all for
0: it. I mean, like, go uh, sure, sure, why sure. not? But um, yeah. Anyways, I went with Yoshi Tsutsugo, mm-hmm. Uh a guy that I, probably my favorite off-season move. Maybe if not my favorite, the one I was most excited about that the Rays made signing him as a free agent to a two-year deal and if you're just watching the uh fox sports sun you know you know tv broadcast and there's nothing wrong with that and they just show the batting average on the little score bug and it's hanging right around the mendoza line you know go from 202 197 one night if he goes over four and then it shoots up 206 and you're like, yeah he's not really working out yet for the race and although you know he wants to hit better than that maybe in a year that's more normal and he doesn't have to go from Japan to the US, back to Japan, back to the US, and he's not getting as many consistent at bats, it, it, that's probably affecting it. But if you look at his numbers, he has not been as bad as that batting average leads on. He's still carrying a 318 on base percentage, a 14% walk rate, uh, draws a lot of walks, works deep in accounts. That's something I noticed very early on. Him and Jose Martinez, Yanni Diaz was working a lot of counts deep. Um, but Yoshi was was really the best um, out of out of all three of those guys. In doing so, it's led to a 109 uh, WRC plus. He's got eight home runs. He, I think he, did he pick up one today or was that yesterday? He, he yesterday, hit a home run. yesterday, and uh, picked up uh, 23 runs batted in. So he's a guy that's produced for the Rays. And despite the batting average being so low, they're still hitting in leadoff. And a guy that uh, I believe. It was uh, JT Morgan at the beginning of the year said, yeah, the Rays should be hitting Yoshi Sutsugo in the leadoff spot. I believe he said that uh, on the uh, episode he did with Danny. And Danny was like, well, really? Yoshi in the leadoff spot? And he goes, yeah, he's going to get on base a lot. And he has. So Yoshi's a guy that he's been hitting really well here towards the end of the season. I expect the Rays to use him a lot, probably in that leadoff spot in the postseason. Maybe not if they're facing Injun Ryu in game one or game two or whatever. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but a guy that I would love to see tear it up in the postseason. Petco Park could hurt him if they're out there, um, but if they're in Dodger Stadium, you know. Martin, really good opposite
1: field power, though. We've, right. He can go right. the other way, really effortlessly. That was his first home run with the Rays was opposite field. So that that's where you can sort of say, like, okay, this is actually, you can mitigate some of the park effects that way.
0: And in, in real quick, since neither of us for this particular, not award, but um, just kind of prediction, uh, neither of us mentioned a pitcher. So real quick, I'm going to say Tyler Glass now, who, whose stuff has been electric, uh, might be the best curveball in baseball. Uh, and, and, and which is incredible to say, like a couple of years ago, you could say Blake Snell is the best curveball in baseball. And now he still has a really nasty curveball. And Tyler Glass now might be better. Uh, and with with a fastball that can get a little bit you know, closer to 100 miles an hour. So Tyler Glass now, he's had a couple rough outings. He's given up a couple home runs here and there. In the postseason, though, you can say this about a lot of guys that are going to be pitching in October, but you don't want to be the team that's facing Tyler Glass now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm excited because this is really – he struggled last year in Game 5 for whatever reason uh, <laughs> against the Houston Astros at Minute Maid Park. Yeah. Um, <laughs> This could be his chance to shine on on a national stage uh, and get that national attention if he hasn't gotten it already. So, I and mean, if you follow pitching ninja, he's gotten plenty of exposure. <laughs> but real quick, I I also just wanted to throw Tyler Glassnow out there. Any pitchers besides Glassnow, just real quick that you want to mention?
1: I mean, I think that I think Glassnow is a great choice. I think he uh, I was th- I was th- sort of thinking he hasn't had the sharpest season. Like he's given up some runs a yeah. little bit here, but like. He's also had some amazing innings. So it's definitely one of those things where it, if it's just slightly on, that's that's a lights-out game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Blake Snell's right up there in that same same vein. But I'm going to go – I'll also zig a different way for the pitchers. I actually think Ryan Yarbrough might mm-hmm. be an interesting one, mm-hmm. but not necessarily as just a straight starter. I right. think the Rays – I think the Rays do a, an opener in the postseason. Yarbrough, though – you don't want to throw pitchers in a bulk role who have never done that. Like I think we've mm-hmm. seen that in throughout baseball, right? Like the Rays innovate something, and they've been thinking about it and planning it for so long, and then they innovate it and they do it, and then another team goes, "I'll try that," and then it's like a complete <laughs> mess because it's like, well, you just don't like that guy wasn't ready for the mental idea of like I'm coming in in the second, I'm having to warm up a little bit differently, I'm have to prepare a little differently. Yarbrough has done that; he's done that for a long time. And you could start him as a regular starter, but I think if you throw it where it's Pete Fairbanks one, then you got Ryan Yarbrough too. You go from Pete Fairbanks at 101 <laughs> and then a 93-12-6 slider to then Yarbrough, who's soft, like slow and bendy the entire game. That's a huge adjustment. Yarbrough can give you tons of innings, which is really important. But I think because of Yarbrough's ability to be the bulk guy to an opener – this almost is playing well into a new postseason format where you kind of need maybe a game where you get a little, little different in mm-hmm. that. So I, I do like, I do like Yarbrough as they, outside of the big three, right? You know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Charlie Morton, who has also one of the best curve balls in baseball, uh, <laughs> Tyler Glassnow and, and Cy Young winner Blake Snell to be kind of the, the guys, yeah. the, the lead horses. I think Yarbrough you're going to need, he's going to have to start. He, or he's going to have to pitch, and whether it's right. the first it starting in the first inning or the second or third, then doesn't really matter. It's it's pitching. He's going to get the bulk of the innings, but you're going to need him. You're going to need mm-hmm. at least four guys. Um, and maybe and five. And maybe picked.
0: that's Josh Fleming, who uh, maybe a question mark right now to make the roster for the postseason. But he's been effective. Yeah, I don't know if you want him going in an elimination game. Um, but it's,
1: it's it's tricky. Like that's going to be the the. JT Morgan said this, and I, I kind of like it. When we think about pitching in the postseason, that's always the big key, right? Who has the better pitching? Who can who can line up their starters the best? This year, because of the the off days, the, or the fact that there is no off days, that hurts a lot of teams. It hurts them really, really bad. The Rays, it doesn't hurt them as bad, right. which means it helps them. Right. Yeah. Like there's no, it's not a format where any like everybody's like, yeah, this is great. Less of our good, our best guys. Uh, but the rays are so deep. We've seen that we've seen guys like John Curtis really emerge, uh, as a high leverage reliever. Mm -hmm. Uh, you've, you, you have a guy like Oliver Drake coming back. You have guys like Aaron Sledgers who can give you two to three innings of pretty solid baseball. It's got one of the more effective sinkers in the sport. That really helps because there's a lot of like Cleveland, they need James Karen check to pitch. Otherwise, they're going to be in trouble. Milwaukee desperately needs Devin Williams. Otherwise, their bullpen is in trouble. Oakland needs Jake Deekman and, and Liam Hendricks, right? They're probably the next deepest bullpen, but they still have had, you know, some blowups with like Joaquin Soria and, and mm-hmm. you know, Lou Trevino, you don't know what you're going to get with. JB Wendelkin has been awesome. But like the, when it comes to having to go, okay, this isn't your best starter. This isn't your best uh, bullpen. Who do you have as number two, number three? The Rays can go there. I don't know if the Yankees can. I don't know if Cleveland mm-hmm. can. I don't know if Minnesota can. That yeah. those are going to be the challenge. Can Chicago do that in the postseason? So while other teams take that big hit, I think the Rays are hurt less. And and it, and you know, what JT said it. You know, basically not being as like not being as affected or as hurt means that they're they're yeah. get an advantage. They're benefiting from it. Yeah.
0: And, you know, everything, we'll know who the Rays are playing come this time next week. Uh, and it's going to, things are going to be a lot more clear about the postseason path. Not only who they'll be playing in the first round, but who they'll be playing in the next couple rounds if they continue to advance. One more quick tidbit on Tyler now that I looked up. Um, lower X XFIP than last year and almost the same amount of innings. He threw 60 and two-thirds innings last year. He's at 51 and a third this year. He's going to get one more start. Um, so he'll end up with a similar amount of innings lower XFIP than he had last year. He went from a 294 to a 2-8. Then if you look at all Major League pitchers, minimum 50 innings pitched, Tyler Glasnow leads all of baseball in K per nine, 14.55. The next highest is the American League Cy winner, Shane Bieber, who's at 1394. So the stuff is playing for Glasnow. He's had a couple if he starts if he's on his game in the postseason and, you know, if he's going toe to toe with Shane Bieber, he can be just as good, uh, if not better. Uh, so really exciting stuff. If you're a Rays fan and you've kind of had a hard time trying to get excited, now is the time to get excited. Get ramped up for these last games. The Rays are going to lock up. looks like they're going to lock up. I don't want to jinx anything. Looks like they're going to lock up their third division title in franchise history, which is something to celebrate in such a weird year. Uh, You know, the Yankees fans are going to talk about the injuries, but the Rays fans, one, injury, injuries happen anyways. Like, every team has injured players. That's not an excuse. Um, And the Rays have had just as many injuries as the Yankees, you know, in the the pitching staff, which is their bread and butter, where the Yankees hit bats. They have been injury plagued. It happens. The Rays have been the better team this year, and they're going to win the AL East because of it. Next week, we'll we'll preview whoever it is the Rays are playing in that three-game series, which... I don't know. Uh, I'm usually looking forward to postseason baseball, but that best of three is going to drive me insane. Um, but Darby, thank you for for jumping on. It's been a really fun regular season and a really fun year of, of, of Raise Your Voice. First full regular season as part of uh, the d Raise Bay podcast network. So, But Darby, thank, thank you for hopping on.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Brett. This is uh, always a fun show and you've done a great job with it.
0: Thank, thank thank, you for that. Um, that is going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Uh, if you subscribe to this podcast feed, you'll get new episodes of this show and the hit show downloaded directly to your device. Rating and reviewing this podcast feed, if your platform allows it, is the best way to spread what we do to more and more race fans. Again, make sure to go to DRaceBay.com and check out all the great work, um, all the coverage of this race season. I, I've said it so many times, we've, there's been some great analysis pieces on... Pete Fairbanks, on John Curtis, on uh, so many raised pitchers that guys like Ian Malinowski and Ryan Menendez have done some some great work on, uh, and uh, lots of great coverage over there at drayspay.com. So make sure to check that out as we head into the postseason. I'll talk to you guys next week.